Welcome back to the Desert Springs Church Podcast. It exists to supplement the ministry and growth of the body here at Desert Springs. My name is Chase Jacobs, and I'm joined, as always, by Drew Hodge. And we're happy today to welcome back Dr. Ron Giese, Pastor Ron, here at Desert Springs Church, our executive pastor and Hebraist extraordinaire. And Ron, we brought you on for uh, a really burning topic for a lot of people. I think this uh, this affects a lot of people. They um, don't know it's burning, though. <laughs> they, they're going to be burned after this. Yeah, that's the thing, is yeah. that this is so widely just assumed right? In, in one way, and you'll understand what we're talking about once we get there. Um, this isn't a controversy, right? Not necessarily. It's not a widely known no, controversy. Nobody's even talking <laughs> about it. Nobody's mad about it. No, right. so, yes. so now we're going to be a bummer. And Ron is gonna yeah, Ron, yeah, ruin every accountability he's, group. He's gonna rain on everybody in the world. Parade. And it is so. When I uh, first really started growing as a mature Christian, and uh, people were encouraging me as an aspect of that to be involved in uh, relationships with, uh, particularly with other men, like one one other man, either um, a mentor or just a, a brother in Christ, and that we were supposed to... Or a small group. A small group, that we were supposed to be accountable to each other, we were supposed to be challenging each other, and I kept on hearing Christians citing this verse, Proverbs twenty seven seventeen, in that context. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. So that was what everybody said to me. You need to iron yep. sharpens iron. You yeah. need to be around other people. That's how you get sharper is by being with uh, other men. When I Google, uh, this is how my Google works. I don't know. Maybe it's different. <laughs> when I Google Proverbs twenty seven seventeen, an article pops up, very first thing, from the Journal of Biblical Literature by Dr. Ron Giese. That Ronald says, J. Gie- Ronald Giese. J. Giese. L. J. L. 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 Ronald L. Giese. From you your article in the Journal of Biblical Literature that says that that is not what Proverbs 27.17 means, that that's actually what we think is a, a positive image right. is a negative image. I think that's the title of your article is yeah. Proverbs 27.17 is a negative image. So I wanted to just go through this really quick. Um, I pulled up, if I type Iron Sharpens Iron Book into Amazon.com, there's a whole list of books called, one of the, the top ones, Howard Hendricks. From Dallas Seminary, oh, the, the Howard Hendricks, his book is called As Iron Sharpens Iron, Building Character in a Mentoring Relationship. There's others I could go through, the, all the Iron Sharpens Iron, Iron Sharpens Iron. Are you saying Howard Hendricks is wrong? Oh, man, I'd hate to say that, but yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> so yeah. tell us, how should we understand what Proverbs 27, 17 is really saying? Well, let me start with part of where the popular interpretation came from. So here's the King James, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Now, uh, take just that last word, friend. No modern translation uses friend. Mm. They'll use like one another or a man or someone. Um, And the Hebrew really means just a fellow Israelite. Now, I don't know that I'd go so far as to say the King James was wrong, because friend maybe in the 1600s meant something different than it does today. Today mm. means somebody we know and like. Mm. But maybe then it was just like, hey, friend. Or a neighbor. And it could something. be a stranger. Mm-hmm. Um, but to us, friend is clearly someone you hang out with and enjoy mm. the company of. And then you've got countenance. Well, that's kind of an old English word, but we know that means appearance, kind of what your face communicates. Mm. And so we think, well, maybe face is like the soul, like what you see and, mm. and and what 
it's beneath it is the soul. Mm. And then sharpened to us is often, doesn't have to be, but it's often a positive word. So if I were to say, Drew, man, he's a sharp guy. Mm. To my wife, Carla, she would think, oh, Ron is complimenting Drew. He's saying Drew is intelligent or he's good at relationships, whatever the case All may true. be. <laughs> yeah. You are sharp. <gasps> so um, I think all these have combined to uh, result in this positive interpretation that virtually every commentator has mm. and just assumes mm. they would say there's no even discussion or debate about this. Mm. Um, however, uh, I'll give you just one thing I bring out in the article. Um, if you look at what the Hebrew says literally, which is a face, countenance is really a face. Mm -hmm. um, sharpening a face is not a good thing. It's a bad thing. So if mm. I caused you, Chase, your face to be sharp, I want you to think of like an arrowhead or a broadhead on some compound bow, the mm. arrow going into that bow. Mm -hmm. um, that's like razor blades, and that's used to kill or mm. maim or injure mm. or destroy a target. Mm. Yeah. And so a sharp face would be like when your eyes, your eyebrows kind of come in and, and yeah. your face looks angry, That that's the face that sharpens. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Angry yeah. face that, emoji. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and that emotion could and maybe even should carry over into action like, I want to attack someone, hmm. not just with my appearance and expression on my face, but my hands. So, so we we don't have that exact expression of face being sharpened elsewhere in the Old Testament, but we do have 10 or a dozen verses about a tongue, a mouth, or eyes being sharp, and they're all no. violent and negative. So like anytime a body anybody. part is being talked about as being sharpened, it's in a negative context. Yes. So we to can harm. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. we can assume that in this case, a, a face being sharpened, that would probably have a negative connotation in, in Hebrews, yes. in, in the Hebrew language. Right. Right. There's a lot of evidence for the face being sharp, being negative, and no evidence for the opposite, oh, that it's something good. Yeah. Right. So real quick, Ron, tell us how you stumbled onto this, because like you said, there's no commentators that are going to talk about this, or just not many. Um, so... How did you stumble onto this idea that this is actually a negative thing? Uh, really good question. So it started maybe 10 years ago in a membership class here at Desert Springs Church. And a guy came up after the class, and he was a metallurgist. So his background is both the science, and then he was in the field doing things too, making alloys out of metal. Wow. Okay. And so he said, I've always heard this verse used positively, but... I know that if you take two metals of the same kind, like iron and iron, and use one to sharpen the other, they'll both become dull. Hmm. It will not sharpen the same kind of metal. Hmm. So I didn't know. I didn't have any good answer for him. And so that started the research into it. And I came across two commentators in the 1800s, just a sentence or two in each commentary that said this could be negative and may not be positive. Hmm. And so I kind of built off... Um, what they hinted at, and then found these dozen verses that talked about eyes, mouth, tongue. Hmm. If they're sharp, you're on the attack. Hmm. So if I'm causing you to have a sharp face, if I'm sharpening your face, I'm making you angry at me. I am hmm. enraging you. Hmm. So to use the then the metaphor that the the proverb is actually using, iron on iron, as one man sharpens another so what you're saying is that that's a, like a grinding on the, the picture that the the writer is trying to 
put forward there is these these two people are grinding on each other. They're they're hurting each other. They're not helping each other. Is that right? Yes. It's either grinding each other or in looking at how iron was made in ancient times, it is possible that one piece of iron could sharpen another if the first piece is what we call a sledgehammer and then the second piece is molten iron. So just think of an orange, orange yeah. like piece of lava. Yeah, yeah. That's beginning to harden. It's beginning to cool, but it's a blacksmith and a forge malleable. banging away. Yeah, which yeah. is still a, a painful. Yeah, that does, yeah. still doesn't seem like a yeah, yeah so a that's, positive thing. That's painful. Yeah, and often iron in the Old Testament, when it's not used neutrally, like it's just iron, if it's got some connotation in positive or negative. It's negative. Hmm. It's like hmm. a weapon used to destroy. Well, and then to look at the whole context of Proverbs twenty-seven, which this is another point that you kind of bring out that where verse 17 is situated actually might give even more credence to the idea of this is this is a negative example given the verses that precede it so can you go a little bit into the structure of the whole that whole section of proverb 27 yeah yeah i think i think the negative interpretation fits much better with the context now if you're a commentator and you see this as positive and you know almost all of them do then you're going to say these two examples before verse 17 are negative, and verse 17 provides a contrast. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the part about what we would call accountability, that you're confronting somebody in love or speaking the truth in love, that got covered up in verse 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And in the first 10 verses in this chapter, you've got the positive aspect of what we'd call friendship. Starting at verse 11 through verse 17, it's all about the negative aspects mm. of relationships. So uh, our verses are the third and three examples. So you've got the neighbor in verse 14, so somebody close in proximity who's bugging you early in the morning. Uh, you've got the quarrelsome wife in verse 15, and I would say this is the third in that series. Mm. Some other guy that is talking too much and and attacking you in the wrong way that makes you become violent toward him. Mm. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, I quote the loud voice in the morning to my kids a lot. <laughs> they know if, if I say, what's a loud voice in the morning? They go, a curse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because the, the verse is, whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. Yeah. Yes. So even though yeah. you're saying blessings. So we've counted a lot true. of curses in the Hodge house. <laughs> yeah, but then you, so you see that. So, okay, there's there are a lot of positive examples at the beginning, and then it moves to these negative examples of relationships with people around you with your neighbors. Yeah. So there's the the curse in the morning, the wife, and then you're saying this is just the third in that succession. So there's another man that has sharpened your face and, and is grinding on you. And the it same actually way that provokes I'm... the other man right. to anger and possibly right. violence. This is like Nobel Prize winning stuff, Ron. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna they're going to be reprinting a lot of T-shirts uh, for men's ministries uh, because of this. But... Uh, I mean, what's the feedback been to your paper, to your work on on this particular translation? Well, this or will interpretation? be this will maybe be confession time and vanity time. <laughs> but um, I have had a couple good emails, some from seminary professors, saying, "Wow, you've opened my eyes up. I agree with you." But I confessed to Ryan, our preaching pastor, like a year or two after the article. You know, I thought this would revolutionize evangelicalism. You know, like, yeah, people would get rid of the T-shirts. Groundbreaking. You know, the, the football Howard Hendricks would, you know. Written over the locker room. They'd paint over that. Church bro And everybody would be thanking me. Yeah. On their biceps. 
And and I think the vet, like 99.9% of Bible-believing America still has no idea of my article. Yeah, you've changed my life, Ron, so <laughs> yeah. there's that. Maybe you shouldn't have gone with the Journal of Biblical Literature. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Didn't it get picked up at TGC, though? I thought TGC, like, yes. reposted it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, um, or linked to it. One of the well-known bloggers did yeah. link to it, and that did help. Yeah. But if you look, you said you were looking at commentators from the 1800s that were making this passing reference. Maybe in 2002, you know, what would that be? 2290. <laughs> yeah. People are going to be like, you know what? Everybody agrees it's, now that the, that Ron Giese was right. Yeah. R. L. Giese from the year yeah, twenty. That's that's right. Twelve or whenever it was. So <laughs> yeah. even though we'll have to change all the T-shirts, yep. guys are going to have to cover up their tattoos. Yep. Uh, what you're not saying is that what I was taught in the beginning that it, there's a value to sitting down with other men uh, in in small group or one to one context for the sake of growing in discipleship. That's that's not erased because. Yeah, we've changed the meaning of Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. Like, there's still a value in those kind of relationships. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, without a doubt at all. And even Proverbs twenty-seven would be a good place to turn to. Just not twenty-seven seventeen, but maybe those verses in in the beginning of the chapter. So, what would what does Proverbs twenty-seven have to say about these kind of discipleship relationships? Yeah. Uh, again, verse six: Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Uh, verse. Versus other verses in the first 10 verses talk about good counsel from friendships. So really that first section is about friendships and even that idea of rebuking someone in love or confronting them in love. Um, and we know the New Testament has a lot to say about that as well. So for verse 17 to say that it's almost odd if we make a transition in verse 11, which we do, to relationships that should be avoided— mm. Uh, that the author, in this case Solomon, would go back in verse 17 for just one verse and say, oh, let's go back to what I taught you in verse 6, just one more time. Mm, yeah. Maybe, uh, but it makes more sense contextually to say uh, we're on to some relationships to be avoided in verses 11 through 17. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. This has no effect at all on that biblical principle right. of not just affirming, complimenting, praising, um, building people up for the good that they're doing, but pointing out in love, but truthfully, the way that they're sinning or not properly serving or loving the people around them. Yeah, the Great Commission still holds true to make disciples and and teaching them to obey all that he has commanded us, um, even though, yeah, this one verse that has just been so monetized just just kidnapped and branded yeah. uh, literally over our discipleship culture in in the church in America. Um, it just reminds me of just the, the dangers of, of pithy phrases and sayings, mm -hmm. which I love, uh, but they can, be, they can be dangerous when we want to just take Bible verses. And Proverbs are, is probably the most tempting place to do this, to take verses out of context and just, and then stamp this, this pithy phrase over a uh, over a structure or a model, I think of Philippians four thirteen being mm -hmm. very similar right. to I can do all things through Christ, and and just taking that and just literally running with a football with it, you know, tattooed yeah. under your eyebrows. Yeah, and that one it's really easy to see in context. Oh, this is not about winning my football game or yeah. you know having a good day at work today. It's yeah. it's about being content yeah. when when you're brought low. I think the Proverbs writer are a little harder 
because it's hard to think contextually. Yeah. Like when you know, I think it's easy to come to the proverbs and just see these as all pithy statements. Yeah. Like this is this is the it's, the it's, tweet deck of Bible's the Bible, Twitter. Yeah, yeah right. Um, but that's not it, right? That we should we should be trying to see some of these these patterns and structures even in the proverbs. Yep, exactly. I think a lot of people think proverbs are just randomly thrown together one sentence statements. And there's very much an intentionality to the way they're organized, collected, presented. Uh, so it, like any other Bible, we should read these through by chapters, if not by whole books, mm. but certainly by chapters and sections. And then reread it, read it a third time, and ask how are these going together? What groupings can I find? Yeah, and still, you know, I think the, I think one of the reasons we like that idea of iron sharpening iron in a positive way is because, you know, I, I think men just envision like you know sparks flying because we're yeah. in there and we're getting the work yeah. done, and this is going to be painful. It's kind of like going to the gym. Like this is going to hurt a little bit, but it's going to be so good, and I'm going to be so sharp by the end of it. And and what you're saying too in Proverbs 27 that. That is that is the idea, right? It's not you know from not from twenty seven seventeen, but there right. are going to be like this this kind of real Christian friendship is not always going to be pleasant as we're trying to grow. But that's the idea, you know. Or like you look at verse five: better is open rebuke than yeah. hidden love, and that's a that's a challenging vision of friendship. You know, as a friendship that this this brother can rebuke me. I've given him permission to rebuke me, and I would rather that than him, him loving me and staying at a distance, keeping his love hidden. You know, that's not really love. So yeah. so maybe let's turn to that to close uh, because not only are you a Hebraist, but you're a pastor. And I know that, that you just want this for, for men and for women that we would be growing in this kind of friendship. So what advice would you give, and Drew, you, you know, what advice would you give to, to men and women in our church to cultivate this vision, this Proverbs vision of friendship and even that kind of discipleship in our lives. Open rebuke just isn't as uh, as pithy and and doesn't look as good on a, <laughs> on a t-shirt, does it? Um, but yeah, for that to be uh, for that to be the motivation um, or the motivation behind that kind of uh, love and rebuke and the wounds of a friend um, uh, should be uh, the motivation of of the gospel and how we were reconciled. To God mm. through Christ, through the wounds that Christ uh, took upon Himself and in His flesh, by His wounds we are healed. Mm. Um, so I, th- I think of that as motivation for for doing the necessary hard work of of saying saying something to a brother um, in Christ that is difficult, that is hard, um, but is necessary um, because because those wounds actually bring bring healing. Mm. Uh, so I think in Job he talks about his hand wounds, but also binds up. Mm-hmm. And so just having that image uh, drive us in our discipleship and in our care and love. And so many of these uh, proverbs, it's the foundation is love mm. uh, for for that kind of open rebuke, uh, for that kind of hard conversation, uh, because it is in love bringing healing. Yeah, thinking back to your earlier question, Chase, if we lose this verse in that interpretation— does it in any way damage that principle? And of course, the answer is no. Think of what, not just all the other verses that affirm that, but think of Paul's model or his example with the mm-hmm. churches. Did he, in writing to churches and individuals, did he commend? Yes. Did he confront? Oh, yeah. Mm. 
But should the churches ever doubt that his confrontation was out of an interest in their well-being and growth and development in Christ? No, they would never question that. Right. Of course, it's come from coming from a good intent. Um, so I often think in the church, one of the worst things we do is confront and love, and yet we all know personalities that man they don't pull back from that. Got no problem. That, yeah, they got no problem doing that. So then I think maybe the bigger problem is all of us accepting that confrontation. Mm. Uh, as Paul Tripp says, when we're confronted, what do we do? We activate our inner defense lawyers. Mm. We all do that. Uh, so um, all of us need to learn from this aspect of receiving correction, whether whether we think it's completely godly and with complete good intentions or not. Yeah. Yeah. We've got to respond with, tell me more, I need to hear this. I'm listening. Yeah, that's a really good word. These these verses in Proverbs 27 uh, could be as much for the hearers as they are for the givers, or the or the listeners as much as they are for the speakers. Yeah. For us to prepare our hearts to receive open rebuke, to receive right. a hard word that's spoken in love. Uh, yeah, because often it's a lot. It can be easier to give that than to receive. And and you mentioned the word confront. Um, and yeah, we could go down a whole side trail here, but just the idea that. Uh, uh, there's a time to confront. There's a time to cover. So love covers a multitude of sins, um, and we just need we need godly wisdom to know when is when is which, uh, because we don't want a culture in our church where we're just all going around as a bunch of Pharisees confronting one another constantly and nitpicking yeah. each other spiritually to death. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to cover uh, what we can, uh, but confront where we must. Yeah, and I yeah. think the remedy to that, to a Pharisaic culture, um, is that these, all of these interactions, these conversations are happening around the word of God. Yeah. Right. And, and that goes back to that, that vision that somebody gave me is you just need to meet with another man with the Bible open and be sharpening each other Mm. in a good way (laughs) off of, you know, that you need to be, um, lovingly confronting each other, not based off of my opinion, not me like looking saying, man, I, I just think you're, you're kind of a moron here. You know, it's no, Hey, as we've got the Bible open, we're both looking at this. I think this is challenging you this way. I want to, through God's word, challenge you to this. And so, you know, this brother's not arguing with me. He's not even really being rebuked by me. He's being rebuked by the Holy Spirit and God's word as it's being put forward to him. So we're not holding up people, holding up to people some man-made standard. We're holding up God's word to them. And then I would think, you know, like you said, Drew, that verse five of Proverbs 27 says, Better is open rebuke. It's better than hidden love, and and I think you do need to hear that in in different ways. So as the as the hearer, you say, "Man, this guy's rebuking me," but I need to believe that that's better than if they kept silent and didn't. That's not actually as loving. This is better. Um, I think some people do need to hear that, and they they know, man, I've already got that tendency to being kind of confrontational. Maybe I just need to check and make sure, like this is actually love. You know, this is still a form of love. I think some people need to hear that. And they need to be challenged to be a little bit more quick to confront, to be able to, maybe, maybe you avoid conflict. Maybe you, um, mm-hmm. you don't, you, you just can't stand the thought of being made uncomfortable by challenging somebody in that. So that's hidden love. You're keeping your love hidden and you're not, mm-hmm. you know, better is open rebuke. So I think this can hit different people different ways. Yeah. And, and that makes me think of just how important friendship is in, uh, as the context for these kinds of things mm-hmm. to happen. Um, I think in, in our modern age, deep friendships, particularly among male, mm. even men in the church, um, is just not as natural. 
Uh, we tend to compartmentalize our lives and, and churches over here, and we got work and family, but we don't really have deep, meaningful friendships with other men. And I'm just so thankful for godly friendships with godly men who, um, who have a voice to speak into my life and speak truth and to confront me uh, because I'm known and because uh, that friendship, like I said, gives that venue uh, for those for those kinds of conversations. So we really need to be seeking out friendship, mm-hmm. and I, I certainly don't think so, uh, Proverbs 27 is is telling us not to. Right. Well, Ron, do you have any other pressing thoughts for us, or any other biblical? paradigms that you just need to explode you just need to like drop any more bomb truth bombs on us yeah i hope not (laughs) yeah well brother thank you for your hard work in that article you know 300 years from now the church is going to be really blessed by that uh but won't be any sharpening happening (laughs) (laughs) at all uh but drew and i have been blessed by i don't know i know a lot of people have and um yeah if, if we can just walk away looking for good friendships you know i think that that would be that would be uh such a blessing for us so um, thank you all for listening this has been the desert springs church podcast if you have any questions for us uh, for pastor ron about this if you if you still disagree you think he's wrong i know he would love to uh sit down and talk about that with you um, but any questions you can email us info at dscabq.com lord willing we'll have another episode for you next week but until then on behalf of drew hodge and pastor ron Gizzi, let's keep spreading god's glory broader and deeper Broader, deeper, broader, and deeper. Oh yeah, it's awesome. Working on the new jingle. One of the guys that, that lives there, um, he's uh, he's an ex-Catholic, you could call him, and but still wears the cross and has tons of religious tattoos. And so I'm asking him about his tattoos. We're like swapping tattoo stories. It's a thing, Ron. I mean, you know. So I was asking him about one, and it's a Hebrew text on the inside of his bicep. Hebrew. I'm like, what does that say? He goes, oh. Iron sharpens iron. <laughs> You're kidding. And I was like, oh, no. I said, that's oh, awesome. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Is everything awesome? <laughs>